Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to give a shout out to any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. I am your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. You can find me on Twitter at Color of the Iris. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight from the city of Reading, Pennsylvania, is Micah Storms. Micah, how are we doing? Doing well. Excited to talk about um, some positive news because uh, someone is likely to return, which right now with how the Sox are going, they could use some some positive news. So I'm excited for that. Absolutely. And real quick, where can folks find you on Twitter? They can find me at Ballpark Buzz. Right. And also joining us tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you? Ready for round two. And uh, by the time uh, everyone listens to this, um, the guy we're about to talk about might have logged a baseball game. Uh, first True. time since April. So, Yep. And for your Twitter, that is what? That is at Cushman MLB. Awesome. Well, like you guys alluded to, we're going to have, we finally have some positive news surrounding the Red Sox. Um, Adam Duvall is about to be activated. He's about to wrap up his rehab assignment from the wrist injury that he suffered earlier this year. He's going to be activated uh, sometime this weekend. So Red Sox are about to get a, true power bat back in their lineup. Um, Duvall obviously got off to a red hot start had an unfortunate injury out there in Detroit. Um, But this is a guy that was hitting for power was, you know, in a big, big part of your lineup and he's finally coming back and let's face it. This Red Sox lineup needs a little bit of juice. They they need a, a kick because things are not going well for the team. The team feels like they're free falling a little bit. Um, Adam Duvall is just one guy, but how much of an impact can one guy make? Uh, Micah, let's start with you. I mean, I think he can make a big impact for sure. Um, it's just kind of ironic that, you know, Duvall plays, they, they brought him in to play center field and probably the most consistent hitters in the Red Sox lineup have been their outfielders in Duran, Yoshida and Verdugo. So where he fits in this. I'm not quite sure that's going to be something to definitely watch to see how Cora um, sets the lineup each day to get guys, you know, regular at bats. Um, but Duvall is absolutely needed. Um, you know, Hernandez, right-handed bat, not a power hitter. Turner, right-handed bat, not a power hitter. Ref Snyder, right-handed bat, not a power hitter. There really isn't a power hitter on this entire team. Rafael Devers can absolutely hit home runs, but that's not his strength. Adam Duvall is a home run hitter, and that's what this team desperately needs. Um, But I also think that Red Sox fans need to kind of lower their expectations because Duvall in the first, um, let's see, he played eight games, so a super small sample size. Um, He hit 455. Um, with a 514 OBP, and he slugged over a thousand. So, I think 
obviously that is not the Adam Duvall that we are going to get. Um, he could do it for the first series in New York, sure, but over the course of the next couple of months, he is not going to hit 455. If you look at the previous three seasons, his batting averages, it was 237, 228, and 213. So Duvall is a definitely a high-risk, high-reward type hitter, um, but that's what the Red Sox need. They need power. They need uh, potentially some protection for Devers, and hopefully he can be that. Um, but if Red Sox fans think they're going to get you know, the Duvall we saw, um, that crazy walk-off home run against Baltimore in the first weekend of the series. Um, and I'm not quite sure we're going to get that. And I do think he's going to need probably some time to to get back into the swing of things because he's been out a long time. Terry, thoughts on Duvall? I don't know how many games. Let's see. It was eight games. That's that's all we had of, of Adam Duvall. And then uh, the wrist injury happened. Tristan Casas has played 55 games and has only driven in four more runs than Adam Duvall. <laughs> so uh, that's how bad uh, Adam Duvall has missed. Um, it's going to be a welcome presence back in the Red Sox lineup. Uh, in the last show covering the Guardian series, very intense show. If anyone hasn't heard it, go back and listen to it because uh, it was pretty loaded. But um, I complained about Casas being the guy behind Devers, you know. So you may as well put Duvall behind him. And Duvall, he strikes out a lot. So even that's not ideal, but at least he's a threat, uh, you know, and he's not quite as, as streaky as Casas is. So. Uh, I, I think that might uh, you might help Devers by by doing that. You know, it's uh, it's it's a multifaceted uh, you know improvement. So that's nice. Uh, I'm not quite sure um, how he will fare against Garrett Cole if Cora decides to to put him in the lineup the first night. But um, it, it it's also curious to see how how he slotted in now. I mean, is it going to be as a DH a lot of the time? I mean, I don't think they've elaborated on that. Do you want to take the bat out of Duran's hands? He's cooled off, you know, he's hitting under 200 uh, in the last month or so. So I, I guess that would be justifiable at least. And, and Duvall is an adequate defender. So, um, but it's just, it's going to be weird to see the, the dynamic and, and how that all plays out. The other interesting thing too, was all winter long, the Bluminati was like, Oh, the vibes, the vibes are so good. And, and, you know, opening day, you know, baseball's really romantic for a few days. And that's when Duvall was doing all the damage. Not so romantic now, you know, he's, you know, he's coming into a pretty turbulent, um, you know, environment where, you know, things aren't going good. You know, the manager's under a ton of pressure. Um, I don't know how much time Haim has been spending around them, but it's, it's not the same vibes. So, uh, we'll see, but it's certainly, uh, it's certainly going to add a, a big power presence that we've been missing badly. Yeah, the vibes are no longer immaculate. 
Um, <laughs> the, the, the vibes are actually trash at this point. So, uh, yeah, he's coming back to a much different situation. Um, in terms of how he slots in, that's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, Cora could always bench Verdugo for no reason again, and then that opens up a spot for him. But <laughs> in, in general, yeah, you're right. Like, do you want to take the bat out of Duran's hands now? I mean, he has cooled off, but he's also one of your young but your young players that you're trying to develop. And, you know, if you start benching him and he starts seeing less, you know, regular playing time, that may not benefit him. Um, you could slot him in at DH and have Turner either take a night off or play first base and give Casas a night off, but it is going to crowd things a little bit. So where he slots in, where he goes, you know, in the field or in the lineup, going to be very interesting to see. Um they do need the power, though. They they need that, especially from the right side. Their right-handed power, you mentioned it, Micah, it's just they don't have anything. I mean, you know, people who expect Justin Turner to regularly hit for power, um, it's not going to happen. So it's 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 a big gain in that regard. Um, I do think that I prefer that he play center field more regularly because he is a very good defender out there. He's always been a plus defender in the outfield, so... I think you have to find a way to get him back out into the field on a regular basis. Um, but it's, it's definitely a lift. It's definitely a bonus um, in terms of, you know, how big of an impact will it have at this point with what the team's going through. If he returns to regular Adam Duvall, I don't think it's going to impact much because regular Adam Duvall is, you know, sub 250 hitter. Yes, he hits for power, but he's also going to strike out a lot. So you're, you know, you're essentially just getting the power, but you're not getting a guy who's going to, you know, compete for a batting title or, you know, really regularly put fear into opposing pitchers. Um, you know, Garrett Cole is not going to see Adam Duvall coming back and going, oh, no, like, no, he's going to mow him down. So um, I like Duvall a lot. I, I love the start start that he got off to. I worry that the injury is going to derail him a little bit and he might struggle, you know, in his first stint back. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, we need bodies back and he's sort of the first domino to fall in that regard. So I'll take it at this point. Uh, Micah, what did you want to add? We all know how Rafael Devers has really been struggling um, in the eight games that Duvall played and hit behind Devers. Devers was 11 for 34, which is a 323 average with four home runs. So I don't know if that's coincidence. I don't know if that's small sample, but Devers definitely started the year pretty hot and looked comfortable. And maybe having a guy he knows is a respectable power hitter behind him Maybe that gets him going. I mean, that's obviously me trying to be optimistic, but, you know, eight games, he was really good in those eight games, and I, I find that interesting. Oh, 100%. I mean, we've talked about the Devers thing. It's, you know, the protection behind him, you know, having Tristan Costas hit behind him is not – that's not going to work. It's just not at this stage, not until Costas turns into what everyone hopes he can be. But having Duvall hit behind Devers is definitely going to make a difference, and – like you said, hopefully wakes him up because that's the other part this offense is missing. They're not just missing right-handed power. They're missing vintage Raphael Devers. Um, and it doesn't mean that Devers has to hit 40 bombs, like you said. 
if he just starts finding the gap again, you know, just driving the ball out into the gap like he's known to do, then that makes such a difference for the offense. So hopefully it, it instills some confidence in him and makes him more comfortable because you don't just need Duvall, you need Devers waking up as well. Um, so it's it's going to be huge in that regard. Um, any final thoughts on Duvall before we move on? Yeah, I mean, my expectations aren't too high for this Yankees series. I mean, and I already got off the the page, but he's hitting just over 200 uh, down in Worcester. I think he's got a mid-threes uh, on base with a couple home runs. Not terrible for a guy who hasn't, um, you know, faced live pitching, uh, you know, in nearly two months. But, um, but once the Yankees series ends, we have, uh, the Colorado Rockies that, that could be a good get right, uh, team to face their pitching staff, not too overpowering. Uh, then we have a four game set, uh, the week after against the twins, uh, three games against the white Sox. So these are all very favorable, I think to, um, to getting him, uh, back on the right track and, and getting to, um, figure out, you know, exactly where we want to slot him. I will say this, you know, a, a guy who is is also missed a lot is Trevor Story. Like there's no mystery. Like we know where he's going and we know how much he's going to help uh as far as the defense goes, but we'll see. Yeah, and that's that's why I mentioned Duvall's really sort of that first domino of guys coming back. You know, it's going to be Duvall and then um, you know, smaller piece, but good for defense. Yu Chang should be on his way too. So that'll help your defense immensely. That also kind of, you know, takes the pressure off Emmanuel Valdez, who clearly isn't ready and needs more time down in AAA. Um, and then hopefully shortly after it'll be Trevor Story. And if this team's not completely uh, out of it and hasn't completely dug themselves their own grave by, you know, the time he gets back, then they could be in really good shape with that return. So got to look forward to that. Just freestyling here. I threw this out on Twitter, but do you guys really want you Chang back? Cause I'm so, I'm really liking Pablo Reyes who is okay with the glove. I think Chang is a little bit better offensively because I think he can hit well against righties and lefties. I think Reyes, once you put him up against a good right-hander, he just, he looks lost at the plate. And, um, Reyes is also like, I don't know, he's he's good defensively, but I think Chang is just a little bit better. It's just a little better defensively. So I would still prefer Chang over Reyes, but honestly, it's like, you know, it, it's pretty close between the two. Micah, what do you think? I think people are, want Chang back just because Kike has been that bad at shortstop and they just don't want to see him there ever again. Um, Reyes hasn't played consistently at shortstop. Um, so I think if you could platoon Chang and Reyes until Story comes back, if if he comes back soon, um, I think that would be the goal. I just think every Red Sox fan wants to send Kike Hernandez to the moon or to the outfield because it's just been an absolute disaster at shortstop. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yu Chang is not going to light the world on fire with the bat, but he's so good defensively at short. You know, I, I'll take him back anytime. Um, so speaking of the shortstop position, 
We're going to check in on a former shortstop of ours, uh, a Mr. Xander Bogarts out there in San Diego, obviously signed a mega contract with them, uh, 11-year deal, and got off to a red-hot start. I mean, just absolutely was crushing it out of the gate, Um, hit 290 in the month of April, hit 12 home runs that month, just looked like an absolute monster. Um, He's tailed off quite a bit since then. So 290 in April, hit 200 in May. The power was still there, still had seven homers in that month. But now he's just hitting 167 so far in June. And now there's a wrist injury. And, it, you know, Bob Melvin came out today and said, you know, he's not going on the IL. He doesn't want to go on the IL. So they're going to kind of just manage it, give him some days off here and there. And hopefully he can avoid the injured list. But obviously this is a concern for a team that spent a lot of money on him as well as some other players throughout the years. Um, You know, a team in the Padres that has been going for it for several years, has been going all in and they're under 500 and Sander Bogarts, who was their offensive catalyst now might have a wrist injury and is really starting to slump. Uh, So little bit concerning and you know this isn't unfamiliar to Red Sox fans for sure um Xander dealing with a nagging injury but now it's San Diego's problem so we get to look at it from the outside this time uh Terry what are your thoughts on the whole Bogart situation over there I'm not surprised I've always questioned you know Xander's toughness I've questioned his leadership and just when things aren't going well they they typically just don't seem to get better and I don't really remember him really putting together a full season like he'll have a good first half or you know he'll he'll be hot during the summer months but he just he breaks down a lot and I know the Bluminati loves to gleefully point out his struggles as if to say, ha ha, I'm got this one right. But I don't think anybody in their right mind would have given him a contract that paid him big money through his age 41 season. And we saw him really struggle with the grind, you know, in his, in his late twenties. So that's, that's not going to be a good contract. I can't really think of a good comp where a player like him flamed out. I know it's happened. I mean, I guess the Pujols contract, he was never Alex Pujols, but he fell off a cliff and just never never came back. <laughs> you know, except for, I guess, last year when he miraculously strung together those 12 home runs when he had only hit like eight, you know, through mid-August. But... Um, but still it's going to be a rapid drop off. And once it happens, he's never coming back. He's never coming back. And you look at the Padres right now, they're only three and a half out. And you look at some of the other teams ahead of them around the league is, is Pittsburgh gonna maintain this? They're not getting O'Neill Cruz back until August. They could make some moves at the deadline. Um, the National League East, I mean, are the Phillies going to get it together? That's highly questionable. The Mets are just a dumpster fire right now. And 
So I, I think through all that, I, I kind of like the Padres the most out of those teams I just mentioned to get it together. You know, whether whether Xander's a big part of it or not, but but they're going to have some interesting decisions, though. I mean, I think where the Padres could have really intense remorse about this is when they have to try to negotiate with Juan Soto. You know, they just they probably should have given Xander's money to him and not gone so crazy. Um, but we'll see. They they will have a lot of remorse at some point, one way or the other. Micah. You'll have a hard time finding a bigger Bogarts fan than I am. I, I just loved him in Boston, and I still stay up late and watch um, Bogarts play in San Diego just because I I just loved him as a player. Um, but I do find it interesting that, you know, we saw him deal with a, a wrist injury in Boston and a couple other of, you know, injuries, and he just refused to go on the I.L., um, I think the only time I can remember him going on the IL is when he caught that uh, pop-up and he slid into the Red Sox dugout and he hurt his ankle. Um, but he was only on the IL for the minimum, and then he was back miraculously, and they were like, oh, he's such a quick healer. And some people do heal quicker than others. Yes, that is true. But sometimes you can come back and you're not 100%, and then you're dealing with that injury for – almost the entire season. And it's like, is that worth coming back? You know, another week or two, you could be close to, if not a hundred percent, I would much rather have a player, any player, you know, for 120 games feel good than dealing with that same injury for the next 60 games or dealing with then another injury comes up. Um, I just, I wonder if, I don't know if it's a pride thing, like he wants to just be in the lineup every day, which, you know, in today's game, like, that should be valued and appreciated that guys want to play every day. But there, I do think there is such a thing as hurting your team, even though you want to play. Um, because obviously the statistics, I mean, 200, 283 with a, a 263 in the entire month of May, that's a terrible slash line. And then it's just gotten worse in the three games he's played in June. Um, I think with Manny Machado with the broken hand, maybe he's trying to, um, wait till Machado comes back and then go on the IL himself to try to, um, you know, not make it so much on Tatis Jr. and, and Soto. But it, I feel like the Padres are a perfect example of a team that has so many really good players, but the entire roster doesn't necessarily mesh and it's not a very deep roster. And I wonder if it's ever going to click. You know, the, 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 those four players, Machado, Soto, Bogarts, and uh, Tatis Jr., you're not going to find a better, a more talented group of four. But sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, Juan Soto has not been the same player since he came to San Diego. Not sure what it is, but will he get that same deal, that 420 or $450 million deal that he supposedly turned down from Washington? I wouldn't give it to him. You know, I mean, I don't think San Diego is giving it to him because I don't think they can. Um, but it is interesting to see these big deals or these potential big deals um, because, Terry, you brought up Pujols. Pujols sank the Angels for a long time. I mean, they had Mike Trout, he, and, and it didn't matter. They had they, Then they brought Otani, and it didn't matter because they had this hole 
at at first base in DH that was taking up 25 30 million dollars every year and he was at that time he was just a replacement level player and it's just these massive deals i mean you're Bogarts in year one dealing with a wrist injury if i'm a Padres fan i'm like sweating because 10 more years of you know is this a bigger wrist injury than we we realized or I, I don't know i think bogarts will be fine for the first half of the deal they could be productive but 11 years is a really really long time and for a lot of these deals that have been handed out recently we there's not a lot of evidence other than maybe pujols and a couple others um of these really long deals what does that look like for a team at the end of the contract I mean, they, they say, oh, it's just backloading the money, but it still counts towards the luxury tax for that year. And, you know, the, the Padres with Tatis Jr., Bogarts, and um, Machado, who knows what those three guys look like at the age 38, 39, and 40. Like, those are going to be three old players that nobody's going to want to trade for. And, uh, I don't know. The Padres better win now because I don't think they are going to be competing, you know, six, seven, eight years from now. I think their window is right now, and it's hard to believe that they're 29 and 33 um, and eight games out of the NL West with that core group and the amount of money they've spent and the moves they've made. It, it's quite shocking. Um, Bogarts is not to blame for the, the Padres' slow start but he's a part of it he's a part of it for sure he he really carried them in april but since then he's been he's been poor on on his standards for sure yeah i i wanted bogart's back here but i wanted him back on like a seven-year deal um as soon as it you know as soon as it dropped that he signed that 11-year deal i sort of went okay well you know what that's fine you know, and at that point, Evers hadn't been signed yet, so I sort of pivoted to, okay, I don't mind that you let Sander walk because 11 years is too much for a guy who's 30 years old, but now you got to go sign Devers, and luckily they did. But, um, yeah, it's these, these mega deals, like, you know, it's very rare that they work out, especially for the entire length of the contract, and – Bogarts isn't the only one. Tree Turner signed an 11-year deal, and he's off to a slow start. Now, he's at least healthy, and, you know, he's, I think, a year younger than Xander, but he's hitting 240, not not for a ton of power with, with that Phillies team. So, I mean, that's another one that so far, year one already, you know, they, they might be having some buyer's remorse. Um, the Bogarts refusal to go on the IL thing is really weird, and he did it here, too. There's a big reason why Cora, I think, handled him with kid gloves and gave him a lot of days off, uh, probably more than, you know, we wanted him to have. But, you know, Cora probably felt like he had no choice. He knew that Sander was dinged up, whether it was a wrist or a knee or a hamstring, whatever. But he just wanted to play through it. Um, and I guess that's admirable to a point. But when it gets to a point where you start hurting your team because you're so dinged up that you can't be productive then I think at that point, as the team, you have to take over and say, no, you, we're putting you on the IL. Like, you have to sit for 15 days because this, this is just – you're not helping us at this point. You're actually a detriment. Um, so I, I agree. If I were a Padres fan, I'd be a little bit nervous. Um, 
wrist injuries are tricky too because if they don't heal properly and it's not taken care of properly, you know, that wrist may never feel normal again. And for a hitter, that's huge. <laughs> like you want the quickness in your wrists. Like that's part of hitting. So if Xander doesn't feel like he has that, that could really affect him in the long term. Um, it could really start to make that contract look pretty hairy. So yeah, the Padres are in a really tough spot because they have to win now with, you know, what's pending with Soto and with all the money they have tied up and everyone else. Um, Tatis is back for now, but who knows with that guy, you know, he, he might just go off the deep end again and, or, or get busted for PEDs again, who the hell knows. Um, so they, they're in a really tough spot and this Xander news is not helping for sure. Um, so it's one of those things where I necessarily don't miss him a ton. I, you know, I hate to say that because he was one of my favorite players when he was here, but just because of that contract and the ramifications that come with it. And I would much rather see, you know, the Padres dealing with this than to be dealing with it over here where you know, we signed him to that mega deal. And we're sitting here talking about, yeah, Rafi or uh, Sanders got a wrist problem and he won't go on the IL. Like we'd be super frustrated about that if he were playing in Boston. So I'm glad it's somewhere else. Um, it's just a shame for, for San Diego because um, that window is closing rapidly on them. So really interesting to see if they can dig themselves out of this hole and, and get back into it. But Xander's a big part of that. And if he's not healthy, I'm not sure they can. So uh, so with that, if there aren't any or, uh, final thoughts, I think we'll wrap it up there for this Bastards Roundtable episode. Um the weekend crew will be back with you guys Monday morning. They'll be recapping the Yankee series, and we will see you guys then. Everyone, take care. <laughs>